Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're Well, good morning on this 7th of July, 2022. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thank you so much for including me in your day. Um, Leading the news this morning, the gunman in the July 4th massacre um, at the Independence Day Parade in Highland Park, Illinois, has confessed. He has admitted to carrying out the attack. Lots of um, information about that pouring forth and leading the news today. Um, headlines that have my attention, uh, maybe a little bit different than that. Massachusetts Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren is basically declaring war on crisis pregnancy centers, not only in uh, in her home state of Massachusetts, but across the country. She is publicly lamenting the fact that crisis pregnancy centers, pro-life uh, pregnancy centers that support the mother and the child, She is lamenting the fact that in Massachusetts, they outnumber abortion clinics three to one. Um, Last week, she introduced legislation that would uh, crack down on pro-life clinics that help pregnant women in crisis. You can follow that uh, unfolding story at the Boston Globe. But it's not just Elizabeth Warren Um, there. She's not alone. Um, Time magazine. Well, it's not magazine anymore. Time.com. Um, it, you know, is is a good exemplar of others who are a part of this recasting of pro-life pregnancy centers as, quote, anti-abortion centers um, and accusing them of basically just being designed to collect data on people, not designed at all to um, serve the welfare of the woman and the child. You, you already know there have been dozens of attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers and churches since May. The pace has accelerated since the Supreme Court's ruling in the Dobbs case overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, and this group, Jane's Revenge, this is the one that is you know very publicly and openly taking responsibility um, or claiming responsibility for these attacks on these pro-life pregnancy centers and these churches Just listen to a portion of this letter that they posted. This is three weeks ago now. Um, And, you know, we don't hear anything about the federal government going and seeking out these individuals and bringing them to justice. Listen to the threats uh, wage levied by, quote unquote, Jane's revenge against pro-life pregnancy centers and pro-life churches. Quote, um, we are uh, unsurprised to see. 30 days come and 30 days pass with no sign of consilience or even the bare minimum self-reflection from you who impersonate health care providers in order to harm the vulnerable. History may uh, may not repeat itself, but it certainly rhymes. And we're all we've already seen such stanzas where medical autonomy is stripped away. Humanity increasingly criminalized and merely surviving becomes largely untenable. So do you see that they are um, seeking to cast themselves 
as poets and uh, and some kind of positive vigilantes, as if these pro-life pregnancy centers um, are, in fact, the enemy of the people. They um, they go on to say this. Your 30 days expired yesterday. We offered you an honorable way out. What they want is for these pro-life pregnancy centers across the country to close. And they go on to say, um, you could have walked away, but now the leash is off. They're talking about themselves there. I mean, you're going to describe yourself as as someone um, where the leash is off. You have you have literally dehumanized yourself. So they say now the leash is off. We will make it as hard as possible for your campaign of oppression to continue. We have demonstrated in the past month how easy and fun it is to attack. We are versatile. We are mercurial. And we answer to no one but ourselves. There it is, my friends. There it is. If you were looking for it, there it is. We answer to no one but ourselves. We promised to take increasingly drastic measures against oppressive infrastructures. Rest assured that we will, and those measures may not come in the form of something so easily cleaned up as a fire and graffiti. Now, those are open threats by Jane's revenge against pro-life pregnancy centers and pro-life churches across the country. But scour the news, and you are not going to find information about any sort of federal effort that I can discover um, to to rein this in or bring these people uh bring these people to some form of justice um, prior to them making good on what are obviously physical threats. All right. I, that's some headlines that have my attention this morning that, um, that, that don't seem to have the attention of others. And so, you know, I thought I'd fan the flame. All right. Ben Johnson is waiting in the wings. You know him as the rights writer. He's also a senior reporter and editor at the Washington stand. We're going to talk about education. Education's having a really tough time bouncing back Um, to in-person learning after the COVID shutdowns. Um, And there may be a reason for why people don't want to send their kids back to public schools. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. is my right, a right given by God, to live a free life, to live in freedom. Ben Johnson is back. In addition to being a journalist, he is also a pastor. We love talking with him about the intersection of, um, of our faith and what's going on politically across the country. Ben, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. All right. So um, maybe there's a reason that schools are having a hard time recovering after COVID and people are not returning to public schools for in-person learning. Um, literacy might be one of those reasons, but also, um, you know, it may just be the people who are teaching in these places. Can you bring us up to speed on what's going on in Washington State where the school board director, uh, yeah, is going to hold classes for kids as young as nine um, at her wink, wink sex shop? Yeah, this is this is a little bit creepy, as as you may uh, have a have, little uh, bit alluded to. I this is full on creep. This has my full on creep this morning. It absolutely is, and it, it's even more ironic if you look uh, up the website, which I don't encourage. But I I, I just looked at the uh, social media uh, profile and the way it advertises itself. Uh, the Wink Wink Boutique says it is quote inclusive, all ages, not creepy. So that's that's part of the uh, the advertisement. 
being <laughs> being not creepy is like being a lady. If you have to say you are, you're not. Uh, so, yeah, uh, this uh, this is owned by a lady by the name of Jen Mason, who is, uh, in addition to being the owner of this sex shop, is also the school board director in Bellingham, Washington. And uh, she's going to hold classes for children between the ages of 9 and 18 uh, at this shop on sex education. Uh, the classes cover, and this is a quote, gender identity, gender expression, and sexual orientation. Uh, but it also talks about things that... Uh, uh, and forgive me, this is somewhat explicit, so if there are children, you might want to turn the volume down, count to 10, and then turn it back up. Uh, things such as, what is sex? Kinds of, this is a quote, kinds of solo and partnered sexual activities, sexual anatomy for pleasure, uh, and uh, safer sex practices for all kinds of sexual activity. So that's that's what's being taught uh, in these classes. Now, uh, these are not school classes. You have to pay in order to get in there. But nonetheless, this gives you some idea in, ter in terms of what she believes is acceptable content uh, for children of that age group. Yeah. So, so if you uh, live in Bellingham, Washington, you got you need to run for the school board because this is the person who is the Washington State School Board Director, the state school board director. Um, and so, you know, if you live in the state of Washington, let me encourage you, you got to run for the school board and then you got to and then you got to see if you can get elevated to this state school board um, uh, oversight uh, group, because th this is why we are where we are. It's not just that that parents are exhausted. It's also that teachers are not who they used to be um, in terms of public education in America. Well, that's exactly right. And even though this is going on outside the school, uh, you know, the this kind of uh, sexualization will not always be this blatant, uh, thankfully, uh, or I should say uh, concerningly, but you will still have similar kinds of things being taught in public schools. So I want to give just a couple of a couple of terms that parents might want to be on the watch out for. Uh, one of them is inclusive or nonjudgmental. That means that anything goes. Uh, obviously, uh, this the idea of teaching the idea of sex is also going to leave out the idea of a Christian concept of sex. Uh, Jen, Jen Mason talks about, uh, she says she's going to discuss what sex is, and often it is uh, what is also known as another term to look out for, sex positive, which simply means that they teach that sex is pleasurable, that it's good, and there's no wrong way to do it except without consent, which is a far cry from what Christians would say. We believe that Sex is certainly pleasurable, but it's also covenantal, and that will be missing uh, from any kind of public school. And the, the other one, uh, which is in, involved in every class, is consent. Uh, and the reason that I say that that's concerning is simply because if you begin at age nine talking about consent, uh, it begins to imply that somewhere in that continuum between nine and 18, children are, who are minors possess the maturity and legal authority to grant consent which legally they do not and will not the entire time they're in public school. Yeah, it's just, it's extraordinary. Um, I'm reading that globally 70% of 10-year-olds struggle with literacy. If you think back over time and you thought schools existed um, and educators were in place to teach children reading, writing, and arithmetic, um, the things they are focused on teaching now are quite different. 70% of 10-year-olds struggle with literacy across the country. So if you're looking for something positive to do, you could become a volunteer to read books to kids at school. You could um, host after-school programs at your church where you simply um, teach children to read or help them with their homework. 
you'll get a quick window into what's being taught in your public schools if you sit and do homework um, with little kids. So there you go. There's some positive ways you could uh, pivot on these topics this morning. Ben Johnson's going to continue with us. Uh, our second topic today is about your local newspaper. So I want you to think for a moment, do you even have a local newspaper anymore? If so, how often is it published um, and what does it contain? We're going to talk about uh, the status of local journalism next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge and this is Faith Radio. I'm smelling coffee. Are singing just outside. Here comes your mercy streaming in with the morning light. Continuing our conversation with Ben Johnson. You can find what uh, what Ben is working on today at WashingtonStand.com. We're going to talk about the definition of recession in just a moment. Um, but Ben, let's talk first about uh, about this. Well, first of all, you got any any um, inclination or desire? To move to Lafayette, Minnesota. I mean, do you feel the Lord calling you? Have you have you heard that in a in, in a dream or a vision? Uh, no? I, I haven't heard me no? being called there to the Rainbow Connection just yet. Okay, so here's what I have for you today: um, the current owner of the Lafayette Nicolette Ledger, which is a uh, debt free weekly local newspaper, um, profit making, is looking for someone uh, to whom he can give it. He just wants to give it to somebody. So there you go. That's just an opportunity for somebody that wants to do local journalism and keep a local paper alive in Lafayette, Minnesota. Um, so what's going on in Lafayette is we got a person who owns the local paper who wants to go do something else. Um, but it's a part of a larger conversation happening across the country. And that is sort of the death of local journalism. What's going on here? Well, I mean, unfortunately, local journalism is contracting. It's imploding. Uh, it's giving way to uh, what is it? Inevi- many would say an inevitable shift in uh, market trends. Uh, you know, we when we're looking at newspapers uh, in uh, the old days, of course, every town had a, a newspaper. Most of them had a daily. Often they would have multiple editions per day, a morning and an evening paper. Uh, and so you would be continually informed by reading. Uh, today, that's the case. But now it's up to the minute, minute by minute. Uh, either through radio, which was which was always a rival, or now through the internet, so people simply don't buy a, a dead tree newspaper anymore that uh, will be uh, potentially outdated later on. Now, where there is a big problem is that's not the case when you're looking at small local communities, small towns, uh, small areas where uh, obviously Fox News or CNN or MSNBC are not going to cover what's happening there unless it happens to fit a political agenda, in which case the coverage will likely be distorted. The day-to-day, everyday life of your local community is not going to be chronicled anywhere except in a local paper, and they are disappearing. Uh, there were about 6,400 of them uh, in the country in May, and uh, you know this is down by about 2,500 over the last several years. Uh, revenue has fallen by more than half in the last 15 years. Uh, the part of me that began in local journalism is mourning over all of this because it will mean that there are whole areas that are uncovered by the news or that are not covered uh, in the same way that they are now. Uh, sometimes you see websites pop up that you know, sort of outsource the journalism to uh, volunteers or the like, but uh, you will not see a daily chronicle of what's going on. If there's a major event in the old days, there would always be someone from the paper. They would publish the pictures. You would buy a copy, keep it. Uh, sometimes you'd cut them out and keep them in a, uh, a case somewhere. But now uh, that's not going to be the case in so many places unless they find a way to make this viable in terms of revenue. 
Um, so we talk about local, you know, local news and what's happening. Um, we miss a lot of really good stories if there's not somebody out there uh, tilling the soil and cultivating them. So if you want to become uh, a local storyteller and you want to get your information out, you could always start a local website. You could start a local, even a, even a Facebook um, page, and you could post local news and events right there. Um, for your local community. So don't be discouraged. Get out there and find the good stories and write them up and tell them. Um, that would be great. All right. And I would love to visit with you um, about this piece that you have posted at WashingtonStand.com uh, about the technical definition of a recession. Are we in a recession or not? And and who gets to define that? Well, that's, that's really the big question here is uh, it depends on who you ask. Uh, I was always under and I was a little bit surprised when I found out the technical de- definition myself, even though I've uh, obviously written about economics for years and years. I've always been interested in it, even as a, a, an eggheaded child. And uh, I had always heard that the technical definition of a recession is two quarters of negative growth. So if the economy contracts for two quarters, six months, that's a recession. Uh, and generally, that's what's accepted by economists. But that's not the legal definition. Now, if you look at our economy, we have contracted by that much, 1.6% in the first quarter of uh, 2022. And uh, the Fed of Atlanta, Federal Reserve, says 2.1% contraction in the most recent quarter, uh, which basically just ended. We'll get official numbers later on. So you say case closed. Obviously, we're in a recession. But the legal definition is actually outsourced. It's not even from a government agency which confused me. Uh, It's set by a group called the National Bureau of Economic Research, NBER. They do wonderful work, but there's a panel of essentially eight people, and they take into uh, account broader trends in the economy. So to them, it has to be a major downturn that impacts uh, the economy for several months. That's the way that they determine it. So it's somewhat subjective. Uh, uh, And often, by the way, they don't release this until after the recession's over. So they, they will tell you, you were in a recession. Uh, so legally, we may, we may be in one and not even know it. Um, certainly, the, uh, the fundamentals of the economy in some places, obviously, you've got a very strong job market, a very low joblessness. But that's because you have so many people leaving the job market. Uh, and that's, that's highly concerning. And then you see the contraction, inflation, uh, all the fundamentals could be there or a mild or even a prolonged recession, depending on which way policy drives the country. I'm going to keep planting my garden and um, and trusting God to give the growth, right? I mean, I, I think Amen. that as Christians in the culture today, we're going to keep sowing peace, we're going to keep doing good, um, and we're going to recognize that uh, in, in times of plenty and in want— um, whether we have much or have little, God is God and God is good, uh, and we, his people, are going to continue to bear positive public witness. But we might have to, hopefully, the reserves that we have put away over time in order to, um, you know, help people sustain themselves who have not prepared for, for what seems inevitably now before us. And it very well may be that uh, God led you to plant a garden for such a time as this. Amen. Amen. Ben, as always, thank you so much, brother. We appreciate it. You guys can find what Ben Johnson is working on at WashingtonStand.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. I see. 
um, do you follow particular uh, Caring Bridge sites? Like, are there people who have um, Caring Bridge sites and you follow them? I, I do. And so every single morning, um, and actually, I think in the evening as well, I get my Caring Bridge site updates. And so um, it's a it's a prayer prompt for me. These are people um, either with whom I have a personal relationship or they are a friend of a friend or a friend of a family member. Um, you know, and I've been invited into this sort of circle of concern. And so, um, you know, it has led me to be praying in particular ways in the last uh, few days for Tyler and for David, for uh, for Gabe. Um, it, it's um, it's an opportunity to stay connected with the storylines that have, you know, maybe caught my personal attention in my personal life. And so I'm wondering, you know, you, you, is Caring Bridge something you're engaged in and um, maybe you use as a prayer prompt as well? Or what are your prayer prompts? That's my, that's my question this morning. What are your prayer prompts? I mean, I have shared with you that, you know, the headlines serve as a prayer prompt for me. So this morning, um, because we won't have time to cover all of the headline news from, you know, every nation under heaven, um, I have prayed for some of those storylines and people in those places that we really won't have time to talk about. So I've been praying this morning for the people of Haiti. Let's use that as an example. Um, Praying for the people of Ukraine. Praying today um, for the people who were in the path of the derecho across the upper Midwest of the United States. Um, And hey, if, uh, if you were affected by that, I'd love to um, I'd love to hear from you this morning. Did you know, did the sky turn green where you live? Did the derecho affect you? Um, if so, love, I'd love to just hear from you this morning. You can text me at 877-933-2484. 877-933-2484. And let's be praying for each other and let's be considering our prayer prompts. What are your prayer prompts? that cardboard sign that person is holding out there on the street corner a prayer prompt for you today those kids um or you know what i saw the other day i saw the buses in our community practicing their routes that was a prayer prompt for me what are your what are your prayer prompts today we're going to talk with kathy branzell from the national day of prayer we're going to talk about what to pray for and what to pray against you're listening to mornings with carmen Have you been praying this morning? Um, If so, for whom have you been praying? We're talking with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. You can find Kathy and the task force at nationaldayofprayer.org. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. How are you? I am. I am well. It is well with my soul. I mean, you know, it's hot as blazes, but it's hot as blazes everywhere. So (laughs) it's here too. Oh my goodness. Um, Talk with me about prayer prompts. What, um, I, I shared some of my prayer prompts. Like I get these emails from Caring Bridge uh, for sites that I'm following or other email notifications, headlines, social media, um, people, you know, texting or saying, Hey, will you pray, pray for this situation or this individual? But what are some of your prayer prompts, Kathy? 
Wow. Um, life. <laughs> you know, I think you've heard me say a thousand times, and uh, this needs to be the title of my next book, Every Day Along the Way. So mm. news is a prayer prompt. Um, it, you know, praying my way through the news every morning or if there's breaking news. Um, when others, you talked about caring bridge, any, anything that prompts me to think prompts me to have an emotion or an opinion um, in this personal relationship with God and the, the idea of pray continually, um, prayer is a conversation with him. And so whatever I think, whatever I feel and experience, then you take it to the throne room of heaven. Um, and it's a good guard for your emotions, a good guard for your mm. opinions, and certainly a good guard for my mouth. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually what I wrote as I was taking notes on what you were saying. I'm like, what a good guard for my mouth. Mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's really good. And, um, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and, and we have to remember not to beat ourselves up over that um, because our the response that comes out of us, um, that's what matters. And as God, um, you know, as the Holy Spirit is doing a good work in us, uh, we have to remember just because we thought it, um, but when we don't do it, somebody once asked, is temptation a sin? And it's like, only if you do it. And so, um, just remember that prayer, um, is the, is the guard is taking it to God and saying, how, how do you say I should feel about this? What do you say I should do or say, um, in response to this? And so we have to be careful that Satan doesn't step into our prayer closet and, and hijinks our prayer time. Mm. Mary, uh, Mary has texted in on the text line. She says, uh, prayer prompts for me include the headline news, sirens, flashing lights, traffic jams, cardboard signs, tents along the side of the highway, and even litter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have another, uh, another text here saying, um, for me, it's my own um, sins, both of commission and sins of, uh, of omission. Um, mm -hmm. And then another person says, I pray over that which leaves me speechless. Yes. Um, and that can be a beautiful thing. That can be a mm -hmm. sunset. That can be acts of kindness. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you probably my number one prayer prompt right now, sadly, is um, when I am left speechless with just the hate and the hurt and the anger mm -hmm. And the things that people will say to people that they don't even know um, right now, the the instant judgment and criticism um, that just seems to have filled at least America um, right now. And my I've just prayed and said, Lord, let my first response on uh, knowing that every fruit has a root to take that person to your throne room and lay them at your feet. Whatever is lacking in their life, whatever the enemy is whispering in their ear that's a lie, whatever shame or guilt or fear, insecurity, whatever's just happened to them five minutes ago or 50 years ago that um, has taken root in their heart and caused them to speak like that, to act like that, to be hurt and hateful like that, Lord, heal. Lord, heal. Lord, let me be loving. Lord, let them experience you um, in a way. And if through me, use me in a kindness that just stops them in their tracks. 
um, because we, we've got to be praying against what the enemy is up to, knowing that our battle isn't against flesh and blood. And God can get to the root of the matter. Um, God yes. can get to the heart of the matter. Um, you and I are seeing, observing, um, or subject to the fruit, um, mm-hmm. and often that is not positive. Right. And and yet what God can get at is, I love this, that it's not just what happened five minutes ago, it's what happened 50 years ago. Um, right. At the root of what's going on with the individual in front of me is, is I'm not even going to say often, it's always something I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But God does yep. know, and God knows this person, this precious individual made in his image, who is currently living in the midst of such pain and brokenness, that they are, um, well, they're living a life that's less than worthy uh, of, right. of, of who they are. And that right. needs to be my heart, right? I mean, that's the, that's the right posture of prayer. Take it before the Lord. Take this person before the Lord. Um, right. Use the access that I have by the power of, uh, of Christ's redeeming love. Use that access that I have to the throne room of God to lift up this person who is absolutely currently not putting themselves in that place. Right. And, and, you know, to just, uh, in that moment go, Oh, mission field, you know, God doesn't waste any time. I always say that every moment has meaning, um, in the kingdom. And so to realize, Oh, I just got in the way, you know, um, in that person's, in that person's life, but God put me there. He established me to be in this grocery line in this moment or, you know, where, where in this restaurant, in this moment, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing to be fruitful. And, and again, just to, uh, I said yesterday to someone, if we we're going to have to change our tune, if we want to change our culture. And so we, mm. the church, um, that are called to be salt and light that are called to hide God's word in our heart because we know from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, then um, it's time for us to change the tune, change the conversation, quit piling on about how mad we are about this and disappointed we are about that and fearful we are about something else. Um, It's time to quit complaining and criticizing and, and take it to prayer. Just take it to God and, and start expressing, as we did with our theme this year for National Day of Prayer, exalt the Lord who has established us, and praise will cure a multitude of problems. Um, he gives you heaven's perspective. It reminds you of the powerful, wonderful, almighty, loving, um, knows the end from the beginning God who authored your days. And if he's for you, what can man do to you? And that's the message we want to get out there. And if we are truly salt and light in um, in our conduct and in our conversations with people, we can turn the culture. Mm. It's you have reminded me that where we place our attention and our focus um, really does matter. Um, right. There's you know there's a million things sort of in the viewfinder of my you know, what I could be looking at all the way from the peripheral left to the peripheral right and everything in between. And what I choose to focus on, lift up, give voice to, and then where I place those things. Um, Many of them should rightly be placed just before the Lord, like give them to him in prayer, because there's, um, uh, 
there's little, I mean, I want to say there's little else that I can do about it, but in the moment, that is what I can effectively do about it. It's the greatest thing we can do about it. Mm. Um, you know, uh, uh, if, if I don't, if I don't say <laughs> probably my most spoken prayer is help. Um, mm. maybe my second one is, um, shut my mouth, you know, that, that, that I would, um, run it through the throne room, <laughs> um, and run it through the, the heart and the hands of God before it comes out of me and to realize that's the greatest thing I can do is to pray at first because otherwise knee jerk reactions, um, you know, might just pile on, might just add to the problems. Mm. Kathy, when you think about um, prayer prompts, let's see, we've got other folks chiming in today. Uh, uh, Cecile says the 4th of July fireworks prompted me to pray um, mm. for those who have bombs daily going off um, in their lives. Um, sometimes, you know, like what, what we're celebrating, um, others uh, would be living in fear of. Um, and so... Right. Uh, yeah, that's really good. Um, thank you, Cecile, for sharing that. Um, oh, Jack, uh, Jack is lifting up uh, Philippians 4.8, uh, and that's in, I'm sure, our conversation about what you focus on and where you put your attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Jack, for that. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the passage here. Um, think about good things, right? Right. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, praiseworthy, think about these things. That's exactly right. You know, where are we um, lifting up praises to God for that which we see, which is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy? Um, thank yes. you, Jack, for that reminder. We're going to continue our conversation with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer. You can check in with Kathy at nationaldayofprayer.org. Also on Facebook, uh, National Prayer, but it's it's abbreviated, N-A-T-L, prayer, um, on Facebook. We're going to talk about what we pray for and what we pray against. So just think about that for just a moment. What are you praying for and what are you praying against? That's up next, you're on Mornings with Carmen. What if his people prayed? And those who bear his name would only seek his face, yeah. We are seeking the face of the Lord this morning with our sister in Christ, Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Um, Kathy, when you think about um, how we pray and who we pray for or what we pray for. Can we talk a little bit about maybe the way we make those lists? Um, What do we pray for and what do we pray against? Absolutely. Um, And this has been a long life lesson uh, to be careful not to pray my preferences, not to pray my opinion, not to pray my emotions, um, but get to God's heart of the matter and so scripture is always a very, very safe, steadfast place to pray, to pray first and foremost, your kingdom come, your will be done um, in this situation, in life, in how you want to use me, in the outcomes as it is in heaven. Um, but praying for uh, the, the author days and the destiny of that person and what God has planned to see the bigger picture and not just the moment, uh, 
Um, but the entire kingdom plan uh, to uh, not get caught up in any kind of um, offenses or, oh, how could I gain from this? But, but really just focusing on that person if they are hurting, if they're being held captive, uh, praying uh, for, for kingdom more than country. And, uh, yeah, it, it's just, uh, it, it's a, it's a different perspective in praying. Um, and of course we lay out the desires of our heart to God. Um, he knows them before we even speak them. Of course we pray, uh, for somebody to be healed of a disease. I'm so grateful for the number of people who prayed me through cancer. Um, and then my son, uh, of course we're honest in our prayer, but we have to be very careful that we don't get, um, you know, down into our, our politics and our preferences and all of a sudden realize we're praying um, uninformed, selfish prayers. The praying for healing is sometimes very, very complicated, um, yes. particularly if, like, you know, what the person needs is a transplant, um, you know, uh, or we're praying for people who are making choices about, um, uh, let's say accessing options that might be available through technology that might in the past have not been, um, Mm -hmm. available and whether or not, so I, I'm, I'm always conflicted. I'm just, this is just like my personal confession. I'm always conflicted. Somebody asked me to pray for something very specific in relationship to, um, a medical issue and they're the way they're going to approach it. And I want to pray God's will be done, but I'm very uncomfortable praying that, you know, someone else would die so that mm-hmm. the, the body part, the replacement part that you or your loved one needs might be made available. Like I'm just, right. that's just, yeah. So that's, I'm, I'm so challenged sometimes to pray for people in the way they ask, sometimes ask me to pray. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I understand that. You can imagine it, National Day of Prayer Task Force, we get all kinds of prayer requests. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Even some, uh, some of them are some psalm-like, you know, where David's really mad and, you know, he, he is just, you know, crush my in a, and, you know, my enemies, dash them against the rocks. And you're like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm with you. And that just that just goes back to we pray life and we pray life Mm. more abundant. Um, and we pray in faith, but yeah, the, the, I can't pray for someone else to die. Um, but in God's plan and, and, and as we pray life, his perfect timing, you know, absolutely. You pray for that person to live, but, um, you know, even more so, uh, somebody said we spend more time praying people out of heaven than we do praying people out of hell. You know, mm. we, we pray mm. more, to, you know, for people to remain on this earth. Um, and of course we do that out of just, we don't want to suffer the loss. We love them. We don't want to let go, but we do spend a tremendous amount of time praying for people to be healed and continue to live. And, and I would, I was just really challenged of, do I spend at least that much time praying people out of hell who are lost? And, um, 
and and really uh, the the idea that I think I was maybe quoted most for saying last year, if you have time to complain about it, you have time to pray about it. And um, there's a there's a Billy Joel song where he's singing it to a girl and he says, you know, your mother never cared for me, but did she ever say a prayer for me? And, and, Mm. um, you know, I, I just, I heard that a long time ago and I don't know why it struck me new, um, going, flipping through the radio last week, but the, the things that I consider offensive, the, the people that I'm just like dumbfounded at their behavior or, you know, the guy I wouldn't want my daughter to date those, do I pray for them or I do, I just judge and condemn them. Am I spending as much time praying them out of hell as I am my friend who's sick that I'd really love to be here a little bit longer? It's just, it, it's a personal conviction. So when we so, talk about with the headlines and the things that we see in the news, um, let's just, because everybody has seen it and it's something that we all share culturally in this moment. Um July the 4th, the shooting in uh, in in Highland Park, Illinois. Um, I just want to just everybody who's listening right now, if you're listening right now, I just want you to think about who you have prayed for um, in the midst of all of that. And certainly we have prayed for the families of the victims. Certainly we have prayed for the community. Certainly we have prayed for the first responders. Certainly we prayed for the capture of the individual responsible. Have we prayed for him? Have we prayed for his family? Have we right. prayed for um, the concentric circles of suffering um, and the layers of, of question and anxiety and guilt and shame um, that are surely being experienced by everyone um, who knows him? Um, yes. Are we, you know, are we praying for um, each individual in relationship to this and not just uh satisfied to pray for um, some people. And so I think in this praying for and, and the using the headlines as prayer prompts, um, it's, it's really helpful, Kathy, to um, just to be reminded again, once again, that we're not praying um, against people ever. Right. Um, we're praying against principalities and powers, but we're praying right. for people. Right. Yes. Uh, we've got to pray in, in this upsurge of violence across our country. What's what again? What is the root that's causing this fruit? Insecurity, shame, um, fear, uh, rejection. You know, they go back to the the very beginnings of what how God knit us together, and what psychologists say every person needs to feel safe. And if and only if they feel safe, their next question is, am I cared for? Am I loved? And in Christ, when you really look at Scripture, when you really look at the good news um, that we're to be sharing with the world, that we were commissioned to go and share, make disciples, it is that in Christ you are absolutely safe. What can man do to me? You are safe and secured for all eternity. Um. He never leaves you or forsakes you. You've got abandonment off the charts right now in our nation, mm-hmm. uh, fatherlessness. And, and so 
Um, and in Christ you are loved. And so what these people need, the hurt, the fear, whatever is being whispered in their ear by the enemy, we need to be praying out. And we need to be sharing that in Christ you are safe, you are loved, you do have value, you do have purpose, purpose beyond anything you could ever understand. And we need to be praying that people that are thinking about going and harming others, that the only way they're ever going to be acknowledged as a human being, or the only way anyone's going to ever remember their name is if they do something horrid. And we need to ask God to speak to them now and say, I know your name. Mm. I knit you together. I know you inside and out. I formed you um, and I have given you value. Your value is in me. Your value is that you're mine. And I loved you so much. I sent my son. I loved you so much. I've watched your every move. I put every tear in a bottle. Mm. Come to me. Kathy. Kathy, as always, um, thank you so much. Um, Thank you for leading us into the throne room of God and helping us uh, stay there and pray there. You guys can find Kathy Brenzel at nationaldayofprayer.org. What are um, what are your prayer prompts? How are you praying? What are you praying for? What are you praying against? I'm praying now with uh, with Jacqueline, who is working right now at the hospital using the the pages that she hears for trauma team and uh, and stat calls and codes as prayer prompts today as well. Um, what are your prayer prompts? What are the flashing lights in your life? The sirens, the breaking news. Uh, What are you praying for? What are you praying against? Always praying for people, always praying for the will of God, always praying against the adversary, the enemy, Um, praying God's will be done, God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, I'm praying with you this morning. I trust that you are praying with me as well. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and we've got another hour up next on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.